What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 90, presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he understands that the four main elf food groups are candy cane, candy corn, something something, and syrup. Frank, why did I mess up that line just now? I don't know, but it's funny that you mentioned that, because last night I went to go see Elf the Musical. I saw that. I saw that candy, candy cane, candy corn, and syrup. It's amazing what can happen when you give yourself a couple seconds to think about something. But, Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Very good. Where does Elf? Ah, we won't get to Elf. We'll talk about Elf and period. Nice hat. Thank you. Thank you. This is the the reverse retro winter cap, the, the toque, as we like to call it, for the New Jersey Devil. So, nice hat to you as well. Yep, I've never worn one of these on the podcast, so there's a first time for everything. And what better of a time than right before Christmas? Absolutely. I probably will run a couple of these types of hats in a row throughout the winter season. Um, This is our second winter doing – this is our third season, but second winter because the last – the first season we did this was the second half, you know, the COVID stuff. But I like running these. Joe Mandel, happy late birthday to you. It was his birthday yesterday, Frank. Oh, happy birthday. Happy belated. Yeah. So shout out to December birthdays. Those are the best kinds of birthdays. Do you agree? Well. Yeah, no, you don't. I disagree. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. I like having a December birthday, but I also hate it. Your birthday, July 17th, is outstanding. You can have a pool party. You can hang out outside. You could have a bonfire to cap off the night. You, my friend, have an outstanding birthday. There are pros to a winter birthday, though. It's around Christmas, okay? You know, I bleed green and red. Um, it's You could go to a hockey game on your birthday, as I did, of course. So there are pros and cons to it all. I'd love to go to a baseball game on my birthday, but that'll never happen. Do you want to know who I share a birthday with that I just found out, like, last week? I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Absolutely stunned. I have a feeling you're going to say it and I'm going to, I'm going to have known it. I'm trying to think of July birthdays. I know Zach Parisi is about a week after you. Uh, My girlfriend Katie shares one with Sidney Crosby to keep it hockey. You're not going to guess it. And when I found out, I nearly shit myself. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Who does Frank Mueller share a birthday (laughs) July 17th with? This is going to change the podcast forever. (laughs) Oh, God. I share a birthday with the sensational Connor Bedard. Whoa! Connor Bedard. Is that a sign that he's coming to Chicago? I don't know what is. What the H, bro? You share a birthday with Connor Bedard? Yeah. That's isn't awesome. That, isn't that funny? That makes me way happier than it should. <laughs> it makes me way happier than it when should. When I found out, my jaw hit the floor. Holy shnikes. That's unbelievable. He's like five years younger than you. I know. But it doesn't matter. You share a birthday with the next one, bro. The next one. I know. Holy shnikes. We're going to get to Connor Bedard. Oh, we got some Connor Bedard on the slate. Frankie with a great good luck birthday. Skokes, what's up, man? Thank it's you for joining sign. in. It is a sign, bro. It's a sign. Connor Bedard coming to the Chicago Blackhawks is my hope. Because, listen, the Devils 
they're not a Stanley Cup contender. I, I was even bullish on them when they won 13 in a row or whatever it was. Like, they're going to slump. They'll probably get out again at some point. They're young. They're vibrant. Then they'll slump again. They'll be a bubble team. They're not getting Connor Bedard. I think that's fair. to Like, even if they miss the playoffs by a couple points, they're not getting Bedard. They're too good for that now. The second best thing for me, besides this team getting Bedard, would be for him to get drafted by the Chicago Blah. That way I can go see him play anytime I feel like it. Frank, your birthday being on the same day as Connor Bedard, probably the biggest Blackhawks fan I know. Not probably. You are. You share a birthday with Connor Bedard and the Hawks randomly have the worst record in the NHL, not just by um, points anymore. Cause there was a point where they were lower than Anaheim, but they had like a higher points percentage than Anaheim just cause Anaheim had more games played. Now it's like they're in dead last every way you slice it. They have a lower points percentage. They will get to all that in a certain, in a couple minutes here, but I just think it's crazy that you have a birthday with Connor Bedard. You are correct. Yes. That is outstanding. It is. I couldn't believe it when I heard it, honestly. Do you shit your pants looking at what year these guys are born in now? These draft-eligible 17-year-olds that we will turn. I'm assuming – no, I'm assuming – is is that an early birthday or a late birthday for his draft class? I think it's a late birthday. So I, I think know. he's probably 17. He's 17, and he's going to turn 18 oh, in it's July. It's kind of like when you graduate high school, right? You either graduate yeah. 17 or 18. Yeah, because the United States – developed their farm system around our school years they you know things are messed up with sports now 200 years later and even education school like the early birthdays are like people who are in early september late august and late birthdays are like late august um i believe he's a late birthday he'll be one of the few 17 year olds drafted most of the kids will have already turned 18 so what is that 2004 would be the year yeah. he was born. No, right? uh, 2005. Yeah. Was he no. a freaking baby when the White Sox won the World Series? Yeah, 2005. Because he'd be 17 going on 18. Yeah, 2005. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, Frank, that was some, uh, that honestly makes me smile that Connor Bedard's <laughs> birthday. Listen, you I'll never be, forget it. You won't be smiling if he goes to like Anaheim. I don't think he's going now. It's a sign. Yeah, I mean. This is meant to be. You you owe me an apology. Uh Uh-oh. I told you that you don't want the Blackhawks to win the lottery last year. No. No, But they could have. What if they would have? They wouldn't have this pick anymore. It would belong to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, that's right, because you can't win it back-to-back, right? No, you can. Oh. That was – Last year's draft pick was going to the Blue Jackets no matter what, but it was lottery protected. And if the Blackhawks would have won the lottery, they would have selected first overall, and that pick to the Blue Jackets for Seth Jones would have transferred to this year not lottery protected. Okay. Yeah. Good thing they didn't win the lottery last year. Because they'd have Shane Wright, who's a good player, or Slavkovsky, Nemich, whoever they chose to draft. It would have Cooley, all four of them great players. They're fine. They ain't Bedard. That's why everything happens for a reason. They so. ain't Bedard. I, I'm, I'm waiting for my apology. I'm, you were right, Vin. Good you thing right. they didn't win you the lottery. Right, 
because if you weren't right, then we wouldn't have been having this conversation right now. And I probably wouldn't care as much about Bedard. And I, he's like, now that he shares a birthday, it's like, I have a newfound love for him. It doesn't matter what team drafts him now. He's no, it's like, now him. I got like. Now you're getting his jersey, his jersey. Hopefully he gets drafted. What number by does he wear? I don't know what number he's. If he wear wore seventeen, NHL. I would actually probably shit myself. Yeah, I I can look right now. Actually, what I don't know what number. I would do with myself. I'll look up Team Canada's roster because we're going to talk about Bedard. You know what? Let's just finally, finally, finally get into our Christmas episode of Bar Down Talking Hockey in period number one. Welcome to period one, where Frankie and I are going to continue our Connor Bedard conversation. We'll actually lead off with that. I know I have it written, you know, a little lower, but we'll go back to the things I have written higher, if that's okay with you. I, I don't care. So we're going to Bedard first? Yeah, we'll talk about, first of all, let's talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, wow. We're really going off the grid, huh? The Chicago Blackhawks. You want to just go in order? I don't care. No, you could start with the Hawks. The Chicago Blackhawks stink only because we touched on it. Yeah. They stink. But they stink in the most wonderful way. They're getting killed by the Rangers. Okay. Patrick Kane's in trade talks. Is he going to go to Edmonton? Is he going to go to New Jersey? All of a sudden is in the mix. Talking Patrick Kane. Um, The New York Rangers, the Los Angeles Kings, the Colorado Avalanche. Jonathan Taves. Where is he going to go? He deserves to get traded just as much as Kane. He deserves a chance at another cup. He's not having as strong of a start to the year as he was when the team was feeling good. Those guys, hockey's a team sport. Patrick Kane, Connor McDavid, they elevate the play of others. But if you ain't got nothing, it's hard. Nobody's a one-man show out there. Mm -hmm. There's a reason Connor McDavid went from being like a 100-point guy to like a 50-goal 130-point guy because Leon Dreisaitl took his game to the next level on the power play. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins is all of a sudden a 30-goal scorer. And... Evander Kane injured, their bottom six stinks, but Connor McDavid has been elevated a little bit. Same thing with Patrick Kane. What do you make of the Blackhawks being in dead last? They lost seven in a row. Dead just last. Like the Bears, just like the Bears. Just like the Bears. We got a Chicago trend going on right now. But um, one thing that you mentioned before we got into period one is they're in dead last. They are in dead last, but they do have three games on in hand on Anaheim. And they're three points behind Anaheim. So if you take that in consideration, they could not be in dead last because of those three games. But who knows? They'll probably lose those two. I mean, they can't right now they can't score. They can't stop a beach ball from going in the net. Kane leads the team with 22 points. They've only played 30 games. So they have nobody on their team that's point per game. One thing I do like is Max Domi's been cooking. He's got 10 goals, 10 assists. That'll be good trade bait later, uh, later on in the season. Um, if he's got 10 now, who knows how much he'll have by the trade deadline. Maybe he gets another six, seven. If he could get 20, that's even greater. I'd love uh, Domi to have 20 because who knows what kind of draft picks you'd be able to get from him. The other night, it was pretty cool to see Taves and Kane skating their thousandth game. I thought that was cool. Um, it just shows you kind of how blessed you are to have these two players on your team for that long. Only second on the team to Seabrook and Keith, which that's a lot of time played together. And, I mean, we've had these – Hall of Fame athletes on the team for that long. So I'm, I'm very happy happy about that. The only thing here is the Hawks need to win one of these games. It's crucial to get a win soon. You don't want to lose 13 games in a row or something of that nature. Because um, like I said, it messes with your head. And, I mean, 
I think getting a couple wins here and there is good for the team. I think right now, focusing on getting the number one draft pick, I feel like it's destiny at this point. But um, what I've seen from them, I haven't liked what I've seen from them because early on in the season, it was like they were doing things so right to put the puck in the net and all that falters off. And I, it kind of happens to every team in the league. We're kind of seeing that with the New Jersey Devils lately. They haven't been able to score as much as they were, being one of the highest scoring teams in the league. But it's just when you can't score and you can't stop the puck, it's, it's just really brutal. So um, it's it's really pathetic, to be honest with you. Do you want them to come in dead last? At this point in the season, I do, because I know that there's no chance that they make the playoffs. So I think at this point in time, the thing that I could hope for most that'll benefit the Hawks in the future is them coming in dead last. I, and I obviously I don't like to see them lose as a fan. I don't watch games like enjoying like, all right, they, they let up five goals. This is great because like, I want to see him win and I'm competitive. If I were on the Hawks with me being a competitive person, naturally, I wouldn't want them to lose. But I think because I have no control over what happens and I think, them losing and getting the number one draft pick would do the best for them in the future. I think that's the best case to go because, you know, I could hope they win this season, but if they win 20 more games, let's say for some reason, that's not going to do us any good this year. I'm still going to be miserable at the end of the season. They're not going to make the playoffs. I'm going to have the same satisfaction if they finish last or um, 10th to last in the league. And the same outcome is going to be, I'm going to feel the same way, only that the Hawks have a better chance of getting a higher draft pick if they finish last. If they finish last, they are guaranteed one of the big four. There's a big four in this draft. You're guaranteed third if they finish last, right? Yeah, but like third opinions of who goes third is up in the air. That's why I say big four. There's that uh, Carlson kid. And then Mitchkov, one of them's going three, one of them's going four. And then one and two are lottery choices, Bedard and Fantilli. So that's why I say the big four. If the Hawks were three, I don't know who they would take. I would take Mitchkov. If I were the Hawks, I would take Carlson if I were like the Ducks. The Hawks are so far like away from being a Stanley Cup contender that I would take the long-term better player than the short-term NHL more ready player, but lower ceiling. Right. So mm-hmm. if Mitch Cobb wasn't signed in the KHL for three more years, he would be the consensus number three pick, maybe even number two. So that that'll drop him a little bit. But I hope they come in dead last. Give me the highest percent possible. I like oh, let, let's let's have a lottery party for the Chicago Blackhawks if they come in dead last. I think that would just be so much fun. Um, obviously, the reason that we want them to come in dead last place is Connor Bedard, who we just talked about, shares a birthday with Frankie. I did a little bit of research. He wears number 98 with the Regina Pats. That's the year I was born. That's the year year I was born. born. That's the year Frankie was born. He wears number 16 with Team Canada. But I will say this. One of the oldest players on Team Canada is Colton Dock. And he's wearing 17, the Chicago Blackhawks prospect. So I actually am under the opinion that if I were to wear 17, he might wear 17 with the Chicago Blackhawks. 
It would not shock me. <laughs> that would be insane. Because if he's 16, does that mean he just went one lower than 17, but he let the elder state skatesman and Colton Doc wear it? I think that's possible, but 98 would be cool. Yeah. Who I, wears 98 in the NHL? Ryan Nugent Hopkins is 93. McDavid's 97. Is there a 98? I think there is. I think there I is. I can't I'll think off the research. top of my head. 98 would be cool, though. I think there is. Isn't somebody on the Sharks 98? Maybe, actually. That actually does ring a bell. But if Timo Meyer, right? No, I think Timo Meyer's 20. If... If you, if they got Bedard and he wore either 98 or 17, I think it would have to be a must-buy jersey for Frank. Oh, Miller. it would be. 100%. I mean, shit, if he wears five, <laughs> you should wear, like, I mean, he'll, it's probably that kind of jersey at this point. Um, I don't know. Tyler's, oh, Sergachev. Oh, Sergachev, that's right. I did Pugliarvi. know that. wearing 98, okay. Pugliarvi was probably born. But only no. three players ever have worn it. Sergachev, Pugliarvi. And Brian Lawton. Brian Lawton on NHL Network. Yeah, only he's one of the guys three. on NHL Network. Okay, wow. Okay, so these these higher numbers in the NHL are becoming more popular, though. You're seeing Jack Hughes wear number 86. Eric Lindros wore 88 way back in the day, but Patrick Kane kind of like modernized it a little bit, brought it to today's game. Now we're seeing guys like Brent Burns, Andre Vasilevsky, David Pasternak, all these guys wearing that. So it'll be interesting to see. I hope for Frankie's sake, the Hawks win the lottery. I will jump for joy for you. And hopefully he wears number 17. That would be awesome. Listen, I was praying that Nico Heischer would wear 13. I thought there was a chance. Um, he was drafted in 17. So the draft jersey he wore was 17. So I was like, I really have no clue. He wore 13 with Team Swiss, but I don't think he was 13 on the Halifax Mooseheads. I would have to think about it. I'm like, the Devils don't allow people to wear 13. For the longest time, when Lou Lamorella was their GM, nobody was allowed to wear 13. It was bad luck. A team called the Devils can't have the number 13. They finally, when Lou Lamorello got the H out of there, they let M Michael Camilleri wear it for a season, and then Nico Heischer took it over. Now we're hoping nobody ever wears it again because that would mean he's a Hall of Fame legend. Um... Same thing with Bedard. I hope that happens for you. The Team Canada roster, including Bedard, for this World Junior Championship, have you looked at it at all? A little bit, yeah. What do you take away from this Team Canada roster? Well, on the Team Canada end, I mean, a lot of people are talking about Bedard and Fantilli, right? Those are the two biggest names on the team. But let's not forget about Shane Wright, Kevin Korchinski, Stan Coven, who was a draft pick for Dallas, who went number 47, I believe, overall in the 2021 draft. And uh, Dylan Genther, who was drafted by ninth, or drafted ninth by the Arizona Coyotes last year, who is probably going to play on the first line of the Canadian World Junior team. Um, it's, it's all going to come down to their goalies. I haven't done much research on how well their goaltending is. Um, but one thing that I noticed that really stood out is their defense is a complete 180 to Team USA. Canada's defense is built on size and build, um, which is a lot different than how Team USA is, and I know we'll, we'll talk about that, but there, there's a lot of beefy, strong, um, built-up guys over six foot on this Canadian defense, and maybe that's going to help them in a way. I mean, there's it, there's different routes you could go based on how they're building their de defense. Um, 
Del Del Mastro, Del Maestro, the one of the Hawks prospects who play for Team Canada, the defenseman. He's the largest D-man on the team. He's 6'4", 206 pounds. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I do think there's a lot of talent besides Fantilli or Bedard, like some of the guys I named. I think this is going to be one of the toughest teams to contend with that this, this World Junior team is going to have to play. Did you see the highlights of their prelim game, their exhibition? Not. All I know is Bedard – didn't he go off? Yeah. I think he had like five points. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to do that against Team USA or you know, any of the powers in the – but he might. Like, he, yeah, he might. But, like, McDavid didn't even do stuff like that in every single game in the World Juniors. And I remember McDavid's World Juniors, like, wildly remember them. And Bedard is, like, almost that good. I don't know if he's as fast, but he's that good. And, yeah, how about this, uh, Skokes? He mentions all the Blackhawks that are there. Their entire lefty is Blackhawks. Dalmastro, Allen, and Korchinski. Right that's, D, right D. Or, or is it right or left? It might be left, actually. One, one full side of their defense is Blackhawks picks. And then Colton Dock, he's probably not going to play. He might play in one of the three, like, round-robin games. And then if they make it to the big games, it would probably just depend on injury and whatnot. But he's their 13th forward. I'll I'll say this. Making it is better than not making it. Just saying. Yep. Just saying. There are plenty of great players that will be impact players in the NHL that got cut from that team. So, you know, Colton Doc making it, good sign. Um, I think Canada's so sweet. They are. They're, they're so tough. sweet. They're, I, it's I can't not just Bedard and Fantilli. No, no, they're no, not at all. In every position. I don't know much about their goaltending. I assume they're good. but Shout out to the Seattle Kraken for letting Shane Wright go, too. I think this is huge for him. Huge. Imagine, imagine like Jack Hughes going back at 19 and playing in the world. He would light it up. I kind of wish the Devils let him do it. He wasn't all that good in his rookie. He had like 30 points. Mm-hmm. You know, and... That's why I'm not out on Shane Wright because I see what Jack Hughes is now. Oh, he scored a goal yesterday. <laughs> Holy shnikes. He scored. He's got the same number of goals as Austin Matthews. He is incredible, Jack Hughes. You can't judge Shane Wright on this rookie season that he's struggling on a bad team. Well, I think the Kraken are actually a pretty good team now. But they're, they're letting him go. He's probably going to be – I wouldn't be shocked if he was their second or third leading scorer. And he, he does have like a – an experience and growth, like I'm talking like man muscle type of growth advantage, even over a Bedard. I mean, going from, think about your body from when you were 18 through 22, every year you felt a little bit more like stronger. I'm not trying to sound like macho or anything, but you felt like, like it changed a little bit and like, they're going through the same thing. So Shane, Wright Going to be absolutely outstanding. What did you make of Team USA's roster? I'm assuming you looked at that a little bit. Yeah, I did. Uh, I actually like the motto that the GM of Team USA uh, is kind of putting out there. It's not official, but he he was asked, what will it take to win? What will it take to beat Team Canada? Um, and he says, we will win gold if we play together. And I, I just really like that motto. And if you look at their offense compared to Team Canada's, it's not as strong, but you still got some good names out there. Logan Cooley, Cutter Gautier, Jimmy Snuggerud. Um, these are all guys who are going to make big impacts and are going to have to 
pretty much excel to their ceiling at this point in their career if they want to take down Team Canada. But like I said, their defense is a complete 180 to Team Canada. They have so many smaller guys on defense. A majority of a majority of them are under six foot, um, which is kind of crazy you see from defensemen it's almost like they're kind of going with some offensive defensemen and not putting in the side to maybe try and get an extra goal or two out of them and and not focus much on defense now of course they don't really have a choice if those if that's the the prospects that they're given on their team they got to make do with what they have but it should be very interesting how these two sides are completely taking a different approach to this tournament i could not agree more um, it's honestly crazy to me. I think Luke Hughes is incredible. I saw him in person. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on this podcast, but someone asked me on Twitter if I'm the only person who will see Luke Hughes and Jack Hughes score a goal this season. And I mean? like, am I the only person who in person will in see Luke Hughes? And yeah, like you would have to go to a Michigan game and a Devils game in the same season and see them each score a goal. And Luke only has like four. He's a defenseman. How how big do those crowds get? Eh, it was not sold Thousands? out at Wisconsin. I didn't go I didn't go to Michigan. I'm sh- I think Michigan sells out more than Wisconsin, but mine was at Wisconsin and he scored a goal on the road. It I mean, was probably possible. like two thousand. It's possible. It's possible. I would say probably not. That's a lot of people, you know. I don't know yeah. how like diehard those fans are that would go to like a Devils game too. I mean, they might. Yeah, you, you would almost, know. you would almost, you'd almost have to like see the Devils on the road in the Midwest, All right? Like maybe someone who happened to see Luke score a goal at Wisconsin or Michigan, and then maybe they catch him play the Red Wings in Michigan <laughs> or catch them play because I'll go possible. to the game. Yeah, because I'll go to the game against the Blackhawks in April, like. I don't know. I think it's really fun. I love Luke Hughes. I think he's amazing. I think Team USA can compete with Canada. I do think they can beat them. And the reason I think they could beat them is because they beat them in 2020. <laughs> like, they didn't finish the tournament in 2022. I, I hated that. It stunk. It was awful. Or 2021, I mean. But, or I guess it would be 21-22. Last winter. And... The year before, though, they played in the bubble and they got the tournament done with everybody safe and healthy. And Team USA beat Canada two nothing. That Team Canada had the greatest <laughs> World Juniors roster ever assembled, in my opinion, ever. And they lost to Team USA in the final two nothing. It was absolutely unbelievable. Now half those kids are making an impact. A lot of them are on the West Coast right now. Mason McTavish. Um and Arthur Kaliev, those guys were absolutely unbelievable. But I'm excited for the World Juniors. Do you plan on being a part of this and seeing the Blackhawks prospects and Bedard and maybe even Luke Hughes for your favorite cousin? Here's the thing. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it, I don't think. But I will keep track of it and maybe throw on a game, those key games that come up in the tournament. But I'm not going to sit there and watch every round-robin game in the group stage or whatever. Yeah, I probably won't do that, but I'll keep track of it. I'll throw on the key games here and there. I feel on that. Team USA, please, Team Canada, in the championship game, though, you're locked in? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I figured that would be the case. So that's the World Juniors. The Blackhawks fans are going to be heavily involved. The Devils fans, probably not as much. 
Um, they're trying, they're hoping that their team gets their shit back together as they did in all of November and early December, a little six game skid. Frank, are the d- bad devils back? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but they're in a massive slump right now, losing their last six. Uh, I call it the Vinny jinx right now. <laughs> you probably heard that a million times. You'd be uh, rich right now yeah. if you had a penny for every time you heard that. It's kind of getting but, kind of annoying. I didn't do anything. <laughs> but right now the scoring's not there for the Devils. They came in as one of the best goals per game in the league with 3.45 goals per game this year. And that has drastically dropped. You take a look at their past four games alone. They've scored five goals in their past four games. That averages to 1.25 goals per game. And even when you got good goaltending, um, the other night, I believe Vanacek was in against the Flyers. They mm-hmm. still lost 2-1 to one because they can't score right now. So I think that's their biggest flaw. Blackwood came back. You know how I feel about him. Get, he Played gets good the in the loss. third period. Played good in the third period, ultimately lost by a score of 4-1. to one. I think he only gave up three goals, though. No, he gave up one. Vanacek gave up three. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he had a three goals against because he gave up one, I think. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm thinking of. That's Absolutely. Vanacek was the losing goaltender for sure. Um, Yeah, he played good, but um, they're just not scoring right now, VP. And, I mean, the good news is, I guess you could say, is they go to Florida tonight, and they got – I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure they got the best road record in the league. They're 11-2-1 on the road. If this is a time to get out of this slump, it's tonight because after tonight they play Boston. That's a tough one. But, I mean, I mean, if they go into Boston – or no, they're home against Boston. If they play against Boston and they win, it's like, oh, I figured. They, they're on a seven-game losing streak and they beat one of the best teams in the league. That figures. But if there's any a time to get out of the slump, it's tonight against the Florida Panthers – which, by the way, the Florida Panthers beat the Devils on December 17th. I believe that was the day I was over by you. So this is kind of, in my head, a payback game to get the Devils back up and going. I want your opinion on something. They've outplayed their opponent in all six of their losses. Does that mean anything to you? Like, Vanacek has stunk. In this little stretch, most of the time when you're in a stretch like that, you could say that about any goalie. Carter Hart made 38 saves on 39 shots. This Peter Kochetkov, I was going to bring him up too. Like, he looked like Marty Broder in his prime last night. The Devils doubled the Canes in shots. They, I'm pretty sure they outshot the Panthers in that game you just referenced. And then the game against the Rangers, they were losing... Uh, three to, or they were winning three to one, and the Rangers came back. Actually, that game against the Islanders on my birthday, I would say the Islanders overall played better, even though the last three minutes of the game were the most exciting Devils hockey you'll ever see. Um, do you make anything of that? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's great to see from the Devils. It's not like they're getting dominated every game, which leads me to believe that they're going to get out of this slump, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, and like I said, I think it's going to come tonight. But you know how when you say, you've said in the past, if there's teams like, let's just say, for example, the Kraken of last year, and they're down 3-1 to one in the game for 
three games in a row, but they end up coming back and winning. That's not a consistently good way to win is when you're trying to mount these comebacks like late in the third period. Well, the Devils are kind of doing the opposite, and it's not a consistent way of losing. I mean, eventually, if they're dominating and we're seeing what's going on right now with them outplaying their opponents, eventually they're going to win because that's not a consistent way of losing. I mean, it, it almost becomes impossible to lose as much as they have with the domination that we've seen for them lately. So I wouldn't say the bad Devils are back. Best teams go through a slump, but you don't want it, this to get too out of hand because Carolina now holds the Metro over the Devils. So you don't want it to, you don't want this to get too out of hand, but yeah, ultimately I think you'll be fine. And I touched on him. Is it Peter Kochetkov? Kochetkov, I I think. Yeah. Yeah. The Carolina Hurricanes, new goaltender, 12 game point streak for the Carolina Hurricanes as a whole. I just mentioned it. I think they're going to win the Metropolitan Division over the New Jersey Devils, over the New York Rangers. The Pittsburgh Penguins will have something to say. I think those four teams are going to be the Metro teams that end up in the playoffs. But I ask you, Frank, what do you make of this guy? They can win the cup if he keeps playing like this. Kochekov has been outstanding. Actually, uh, my dad picked him up in fantasy because of how good he's been doing. He picked him up a while ago, so well before he was even on this 12-game point streak. See, Frederick Anderson goes down, and it's like, uh-oh. Could the Carolina Hurricanes sustain success with Antti Ranta and Peter Kochekov? Well, the answer is yes. He's only 23 years old. He's played 15 games, and he's only lost one in regulation. He's 10-1-4. He's gotten a possible 24 points out of third or. 24 out of a possible 30 points, 191 goals against, 928 save percentage. Those numbers are insane. And not many people know this, but this isn't his first year playing in the NHL. He played three games last year with the Carolina Hurricanes where he went 3-0, and didn't lose a single game. So he had some success last year. The Hurricanes were trying him out. Bring him back this year, and he is still fantastic. The last five games he's beaten the Devils, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and then he beat Detroit and the Islanders with back-to-back games with the shutout. He is playing fantastic, and because of that, the Carolina Hurricanes are leading the Metro. And who knows? If Freddie Anderson comes back, what do you do? You play Kachetkov. But then what do you do with Ronta? You get rid of him? You send him down? You can't, you're not going to hold three goalies. Some teams do. I don't think they will, though. I think you play Kochetkov, but you got to move Ronta, I think, then. There are plenty of teams out there. There are plenty of teams out there that would go for something like that. I'm looking at my phone right now because our boy in the chat, Skokes, pointed out something awesome to me. Team USA is currently playing in their their pre-tournament game. And oh, Luke right Hughes, Luke Hughes opened the scoring to give the Team USA a one nothing lead. So the New Jersey Devils' top prospect is off to a blazing start. No, he tagged me in it on Twitter. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. shout out Skokes. Thank you for helping wow. keep me on my toes. Um, I tweeted the video. You could go look at it. Um, yeah, Luke Hughes. What an absolute wow. studly McStud muffin. I will be covering the World Junior Championships from the perspective of the Chicago Blackhawks and the New Jersey Devils through my fan sided hockey sites, um, Pucks and Pitchforks and the Windy City. And I got a I got a question for you, but I'll let Go you ahead. finish what you're saying because uh, I don't want you to switch topics. I want to say something about Kochetkov. Oh, not at all. I was just going to say that also if anything big happens with um, non-Devils or Blackhawks stuff like Bedard, 
sorry, right now Bedard is not a Blackhawks thing. It's an NHL thing. <laughs> and um, that'll be on Puck Pros. So looking forward to covering the World Juniors for Fan Sided. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, are we is are we getting a little over our head right now with Coach Chekov? But because we saw what he did last year, he had good goals against in three games coming in this year. Is this going to be one of those, like, name goalies? Or is it just like, all right, he's kind of just playing like an amateur goalie, just playing a little bit above his ceiling right now, and we're kind of getting in over our head. And maybe one day he'll end up being like, like a Craig Anderson or something who could play well but not really – Sustain, sustainable long term, but is or is Kochekov like a guy who's going to be like a hellebuck, a Soros that we're going to see be a number one eventually years down the line in some on some rosters? Goalies are weird. So Jordan Bennington lit the world on fire. He stinks right now. Absolutely stinks. Billy Huso, awesome the last two years, stinks so far this year, right? Or has he been good? Maybe I'm thinking of Nedeljkovic. Nadalkovich was so good. Yeah, and Nadalkovich was so good. He's been terrible. But guess what? Would it shock you if Nadalkovich came out next year on Detroit and was awesome? Wouldn't shock me. I'll <laughs> never be shocked with goalies ever again. Goalies are weird. They go through these weird stretches. Blackwood was a Team Canada candidate. Now you're telling me he stinks every show? These guys don't stay consistent anymore, except for, like, the true, true blue Vesna caliber guys, you know, Saros is going to be elite. You know, Vasilevsky is going to be elite. You know, Shesterkin, Sorokin. Those are the cream of the crop type guys who an off year for them would be like a league average save percentage. These guys, goaltenders, it, it's it's tough. So if he's good the rest of this year and they win the cup and then he came out and stunk next year, wouldn't be shocked. Matt Murray, he won two Stanley Cups before his rookie status expired. Okay, he came in the playoffs as a rookie. The entire next season, he was a rookie as a defending Stanley Cup champion. He was Calder eligible still. Then they won the Stanley Cup again. He stinks, goes to Ottawa, stinks there. Now he's on the Maple Leafs, and he's a Vesna caliber goalie. I mean, the, the stuff, that's why when people say Blackwood stinks, Nedeljkovic stinks, uh, this guy stinks. Martin Jones, how long do we think he stunk, even though he started his career really well? Now he's playing really good with the Seattle Kraken. Like, uh, it's situation. I think Quick went through a little bit of a slump, too. The Kings were bad. Quick was bad. Wow. Woe is me. Like, I I just am I'm so on that about goalies where it's like, yeah, your opinion on them for this season can be what it is. But don't come into next season thinking that's just going to be the way it is, good, bad, or in the middle, right? How, yeah. There were a couple years where, like, Corey Crawford stunk to start. Well, I was, I was just going to bring that up. He stunk at certain points, but he never really finished the year as a down year goalie because yes. they, always made the, they always made the playoffs with him. They're always consistent with him. He had his ups and his downs, and people would make fun of him and call him a terrible goalie, which those people were on glue. But he always thing. managed long-term over the course of a season. He could never be put into the category. He didn't go through like what Quick did, where they missed the playoffs with Corey Crawford. Every year Corey Crawford played, they made the playoffs, which he was like in that talk of being like one of those elite goalies at the time. You know what started the shit talk of Corey Crawford? He was fucking terrible in the series against the Arizona Coyotes. 
Well, yeah, he let up. I was 2012. He, he let up goals where he watched horrible. them go in with like six seconds left in the game. He was horrible. And people are like, we're not going to win a cup. We don't have Niemi anymore. <laughs> so be careful what you say about goalies. Be careful what you tweet. Make sure you know that goalies are like, they're like Russian roulette of sports. They're not like like quarterbacks where like, you know, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen are going to be the three best quarterbacks in the NFL for the next 10 years. You know, maybe a guy like Justin Fields or Justin Herbert or, you know, Trevor Lawrence has technically been the best quarterback in the NFL since week nine. Um, they, those guys will come up too, but like, you know, those three are going to be like yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to the NFL in period number two, you absolute clowns. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel about Kachekov. Excited about him. Sucks that he's in the Devils division. Um, speaking of the Devils division, Cam Atkinson out for the season for the Philadelphia Flyers. Probably good for them. They have Connor Bedard on their mind. They have Adam Fantilli on their mind. What's your take? Well, he's actually having surgery on his neck today as we speak. I could have him. It could have happened earlier in the day. It could happen later in the day. I'm not his surgeon. I'm not his doctor. I have no idea what's going on in terms of that. But it is happening today, and he is expected to make a full recovery. On the other note of things, which is great. Yeah, let's hear it up for Cam Atkinson. I love Cam Atkinson. He's a great great athlete. He was at second in scoring for the Flyers last year. Yep. Got screwed out of ever playing goals. for Team USA in the Olympics, too. Because so, when he was an Olympian-worthy athlete, they didn't go to the Olympics. Now that they're going to go back to the Olympics or have a World Cup next year, he's probably not good enough to be on so, the team anymore. Shout out to him, though. But even making a full recovery, I think after this season, he'll have two years left on his contract, I think. I mean, somebody could fact-check that, but I'm pretty sure he'll have two years left on his contract. I believe you're correct. makes a full recovery on that. That's fantastic. Now, he joins Couturier, Ryan Ellis, and Bobby Brink on Flyers who haven't played at all this season. Um, but Ryan Ellis, he's probably his career is probably cooked, which uh-huh. sucks. Oh man, I remember he was so good. Oh yeah, he with was so good with the Predators, and even before the Predators, yep, he was on the uh, the Windsor Spitfires with Taylor Hall, and I remember their draft year. Like they were just so 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 good. But even with those names, those now four guys that I named, Atkinson, Brink, Kateria, and Ellis, they basically, as a whole, this team, have been performing to expectations, maybe a little bit more because a lot of people had them, including myself, depicted in the bottom three, but they're still like not a bubble team, but they're not in the bottom three either. They're just kind of like there. So if anything, they're like, an inch or a millimeter more than what people expected, but they're pretty much generally performing the expectations that people had preseason. You're absolutely spot on. Do you know what Bobby Brink's middle name is? No. Or. You you told me that before. <laughs> I remember that. His parents are the biggest. They got to be the biggest mass holes of all time <laughs> to call their son Bobby or Brink. I love it. I absolutely love it. Bobby or Brink. I I, I, because of that, I'm rooting for him to be. I only know that because I remember he was one of the first round picks 
you know, from the United States of America over the last couple of years. Obviously, we celebrate when American born players go in the first round, not for necessarily like this, like patriotic America kind of thing, more because I like when USA hockey grows and we get more kids in our country mm-hmm. playing the great game of hockey. I ver- that very much means a lot to me. So, you know, when when the World Cup time comes, I'm hardcore rooting for Team USA and seeing our guys that come from non-traditional hockey markets, the Hughes family from freaking Florida. Okay, there might be three Olympians from one mother there. Um, there's definitely two. Um, obviously, Austin Matthews from Arizona, you know, stuff like yeah. that. And Cam Atkinson, American board player. I believe Cam Atkinson is from New York. So, you know, just these places where you don't necessarily see pumping out hockey players. I love to see it from the video. Skokes sent me the Luke Hughes one. I didn't realize Team USA named um, Luke Hughes the captain. He's the freaking mm-hmm. captain of Team USA. So that is awesome. Um, Frank, the other bit of housekeeping I wanted to get to. Do you remember the Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond? He announced his retirement from the NHL. Talk to me about the man known as the man, the Hamburglar. Joey well, he hated is- him free mcdonald's for life for life which is insane Rude joey uh, parisi summer one year too well and i could tell you why because he was most famously known for leading the ottawa senators into the stanley cup playoffs when he went 21 and 2 in a 23 game span in that span he had a 179 goals against average and a 941 save percentage that was in the 2014 15 NHL season. Do you know how good a 941 save percentage is? That no, is just me. insane. I mean, the only thing that kind of stinks, his career is ending very short. A 67-game career. He, I mean, that's not even one full season. But in his career-long games, who he's played with the Senators, the Avalanche, Montreal, and the New Jersey Devils, VP's very own, he actually didn't have bad career stats. I mean, his worst year came in 2021 when he made a return, and it's just nothing was there. He wasn't a goalie that you could rely on. But if you look at his career stats in those 67 games, or 60, yeah, 67 games, he went 31, 20, and 7 with a 256 goals against average, which is good, and a 916 save percentage, which is a very, very good career save percentage over a small sample size but it really hurt him and his career was short because he was exclusively in the AHL from 2018 to 2021 where he didn't get any NHL time but honestly despite injuries if we weren't taking injuries into account I would sign up for that career he had obviously I wouldn't want to get injured or whatever and have to retire early but the stats and he was a lot of people don't know this either. He was undrafted. He was signed out of college. Um, and when that happened, he even said, these are his words. He said he felt like it was a dream come true. I mean, sign me up for that. You got to play in the NHL for almost one full season, accumulative uh, or cumulatively. And those stats are pretty dang good. I would have taken that any day. Me and the fan I am of the NHL, if I was able to play in the NHL for that short amount of time, I'd be grateful too. He he ultimately got to live out his dream as an undrafted athlete. So props to him. I like him. That was in the meat and potatoes of, you know, primetime Blackhawks hockey. 
Um, so, I mean, just, you know, the, the stuff that went on in terms of that too, getting to watch the Hawks and that happening in the same season and all that type of stuff, it was really fun. But, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of sucks that he's announcing his retirement. The thing I remember the most about that season, the one where he became the Hamburglar, um, the Bruins had missed the playoffs in two straight seasons by one point in each of the two seasons. And it was just really weird. Like, the Bruins weren't going to the playoffs. Like, what's wrong with the Bruins? And the second time they missed the playoffs by that one point, they drafted McAvoy, Charlie McAvoy. And it's like, okay, they, they got this McAvoy kid from BU. He's unreal. He's going to go back to school for one more year. The Bruins come out of the gate the thir- that third year. They stink. They're like the ninth, 10th, 11th place team in the Eastern Conference. I think the Devils were higher than them at one point that season, and that was like really bad Devils. And they they brought in McAvoy, or they fired Claude Julian, brought in Bruce Cassidy, and they made a run to the postseason. And they signed McAvoy after his year at BU was done, and that he was sick. He was sick right away. Everyone knew he would be a really good NHL player. Um, he has since turned into like a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. Yep. But Andrew Hammond ruined it all for the Bruins that year by absolutely shutting them down in the first year of the playoffs. I remember um, in the final game, Jean-Gabriel Pajot had a hat trick completed in overtime to send the bees packing in game six. I believe it was JG Peugeot and, or, you know, you know who else it might've been, it might've been Curtis Lazar. And I remember when Curtis Lazar, they would throw the cheeseburgers from McDonald's on the ice and Curtis Lazar picked one up and started eating it. And that's my memory of Andrew Hammond. He was so good. Free McDonald's for life. He's the Hamburglar. I wish him well in retirement. I do too. Go eat a cheeseburger now, right? <laughs> Joey Joey probably doesn't wish him well in retirement. I mean, the Bruins, like, they were they were that team that, like, fired the coach, could win the cup kind of hot. Like, when the Penguins fired, um, what's his freaking name? Uh, glasses. What's his name? He won the, the cup with them the first time. Yeah. He was on NHL Network after he got fired. He was the head coach of Team USA in 2014 when they went to the Olympics, I'm drawing a blank on his name and they fired him and they brought in Mike Sullivan and then they won the Stanley cup. It was vibes like that with Claude Julian and Bruce Cassidy. And then the Ottawa senators just threw Hammond in front of the net and nothing got past them. How many burgers do you think he's used? Like that free McDonald's for life. Do you think probably he used very it? few? I was going to say probably he definitely very. has used it. I definitely believe he, he like has. uses it for family. Like, hey, you want a free cheeseburger? <laughs> yeah, or like if there's poor people, like yeah. buy 50 cheeseburgers and pass them out on the street. That's what I would do. <laughs> Frank, you're supposed to respond. I'm trying to think of that mother fricker's name. I can't. He led them. Sure. They won I this. Okay. Sure. They fired Michel Therrion. In 2009, mid-season, and they hired this guy mid-season, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. I know if I saw him or heard the name, and I then, know who it is, but I can't yeah, think of it. He was their coach all throughout um, that time. 
and then they were having a bad start to the 2015-16 season. They canned him, brought in Mike Sullivan, and they won two Stanley Cups. All three of Crosby's or two of Crosby's three cups came with a mid-season coach firing. And I can't think of this goofy goober's name. I just have to look it up right now. Um, uh, who, who will get it first between Frankie Dan Balsma? Dan Balsma. My goodness. Yeah, I remember How could him. I forget Dan Balsma? I remember him. I don't. I didn't forget him. I drew a blank on his name. But yes, Dan Balsma. Frank, what is your favorite hockey story of the week? And if you steal mine, I swear to God. I don't know if I will. I might. I... You're allowed to. I'm. It's the Christmas season. I'm giving. I let you go first for a reason. I don't know if I'm going to steal it, though, because this was just kind of out there. But it was. It caught my eye. When something catches my eye, I like to state it on the show. You're it stealing mine for sure. <laughs> the NHL expanding? The, nope. uh Okay. Well... The NHL has discussed expanding the regular season to 84 games. I don't know if you heard about it, but they've discussed it. It was a headline on ESPN. I did more research on it. And they've been in discussion on expanding the regular season to 84 games instead of 82 regular season games in an effort for more rivalry games, more rivalry matchups. So currently, right now, well, the reason for this, that the, even there's talks about this, is because teams have complained about an imbalanced number of divisional games against rivals. So currently, your division games, you're either going to play three or four games against division opponents. Against conference non-division opponents, you play three games. And against the other conference, you play two games each against each of those teams for your total of 82 games. If the 84-game season ever came to fruition it would allow a perfectly balanced four games each in your division. So you'd play four games, every team in your division, three games from non-division teams, but same conference, and two games um, against the other conference, which makes everything a bit more easy. You get those extra two games against your division opponents, which would grant them more rivalry matches like they want. It would put instead of an imbalanced number of divisional games and now is balanced, you're kind of catering to both sides here and giving people what they want. If this were to happen, the preseason would most likely be affected here. You'd probably shorten the preseason a little bit more, but this isn't the first time that the NHL has had an 84 game season from 1992 to 1994. There was 84 game regular season. And those two extra games were actually given to teams to be played at a neutral site, which is a bit weird, but I understand. The NFL does it when they play in Germany, Mexico, wherever they play, London. But that wouldn't be the case here. They would only be adding two extra games so that they can ultimately have those extra division rivalries. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Would you consider the Winter Classic or Stadium Series or Centennial Classic neutral sites? Because I would not. They I always favor one team. They always favor one team, but it is technically a neutral site. Okay. Yes. It, but, like, there's a designated home team that gets the advantage of the last change, and they get the face-off advantage where their stick doesn't have to be on the ice, and um, the crowd. I'd still consider it neutral site. No matter where you play, you could play in – Guatemala and somebody will have the last change 
and you're yeah, still the home team. That's true. I mean, but it's still neutral site, and you might have more fans travel there that are, say, Devils were playing the Penguins. You might have more Devils fans who travel to Guatemala to see the Devils, but it, it's still neutral site at the end of the day. You know, it's kind of like bowl games in college football. I feel like you always have one crowd that's favored over the other. Like yesterday it was between Eastern Michigan and San Jose state. And they're playing in the famous Idaho potato bowl. Well, the game's in Idaho, Idaho. It doesn't matter. It's like not close to San Jose or Eastern Michigan, but still one part of the crowd was favored to one side of the team. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. still very heavily neutral site. I get what you're saying. It would be like if the big 10 championship was Purdue versus Ohio state. Well, Ohio State travels well, but the Big Ten Championships in Indiana, like Purdue would draw well in Indiana, obviously, because it's in Indiana. But, yeah, very interesting story. That'd be awesome. I mean, sign me up for more hockey. Like, what? Um, Say that. um, My favorite hockey story of the week is a little bit different. It has nothing to do with actual hockey. It's more of a sports holiday-themed thing with charity. I saw that. I was going to choose that. <laughs> Austin yep. Matthews, my favorite non-devil in the NHL probably, or he's up there for sure. It's him, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, McDavid. I love them all. Uh, Zach Parisi, obviously. Um, but Austin Matthews, he wore a ugly Christmas sweater-themed pair of skates in yesterday's game. Um, where the Toronto Maple Leafs played against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the it was uh, to raise money for si- the Sick Kids Foundation. And obviously the Sick Kids Foundation is a charity organization that helps kids who are dealing with things. And it's great to see Austin Matthews doing stuff like that. Everybody kind of looks at Austin Matthews as like this like cocky, arrogant a-hole because he kind of is sometimes. But like there's just something about him that always seems to be doing yeah and he he gives arrogant like inner and jack hughes is very close to becoming that guy too because like he gives intermission interviews that are like you know funny but like arrogant cocky a little bit and austin matthews is like that because he doesn't love the media but he's a good dude he's a genuinely good dude and i think the world of him for making a decision like that that can it's just such a small gesture like to go out of your way to do something like that and the skates were freaking cool looking i don't know if you saw the goal he scored but he scored his 17th of the season last night as well and when you watch the highlight of his goal it just looks freaking sweet (laughs) so shout out to austin matthews i do wish guys could make their skates more vibrant on a regular basis we see ovechkin with the uh yellow laces every game and i i think it'd be cool if other guys were able to do cool stuff like that but shout out to you austin matthews for putting your best skate forward this holiday season that's funny because i almost took that one for you that was one i was gonna say yeah i mean it's a cool story mm-hmm. i think a lot of people would look at it and be like that's one of my favorite hockey stories of the week so frank it's a wild week in the nhl it's also the week of some other big things going on in the sports world, and it is almost the great holiday of Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to all of those celebrating what I believe is the fourth day of Hanukkah today. So shout out to everybody celebrating whatever it is you celebrate. I celebrate it all because I love celebrating and I love fun. Frank, let's have some fun in period number two. 
Welcome to period two. Frank, there are three more weeks left in the NFL regular season. Where are you at? Well, it's a big week for me because I'm in the fantasy football semifinals. So um, this is some of the best time of the year for football. It's like who's going to claim the number one seed in each divi- or each league? Probably going to be the Eagles in the NFC. But we got an injured Jalen Hurts. You never know. But the coach isn't ruling out either that he won't play against Dallas. But on the flip side, you got a battle in the AFC. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs and Mahomes, they have the same record right now. Bills have the tiebreaker. They're battling out for the first seed in the AFC. This is some of the best football we got going on right now. And is it just me? Well, first of all, we have a Christmas Day triple header coming this Sunday. But is it just me? Or does it feel like there's more triple headers this year than any other year? Or is it just subconscious this happens every year? Because Christmas is never always on a Sunday. So that's an extra triple header you got right there, I feel like. We had a triple header, what, last Saturday? We had the triple header on Thanksgiving? It seems like there's been a lot more triple headers this year on, like, off football days. I have an answer for you. So there's always a triple header on Thanksgiving. Right. Then every Saturday in between championship Saturday in college and bowl season, every Saturday has a triple header. Well, this Saturday there's a bunch of games. It's not a triple because header. Christmas, they flipped Saturday and Sunday what it would have been. Oh, okay. All the games are on Saturday except for the triple header that would have been on Saturday. They just flipped Saturday and Sunday. If Christmas gotcha. were on Monday – um, there would okay. be three games on Saturday, the rest of the slate on Sunday, and then one Christmas Day Monday night football game. If gotcha. if think if Christmas was on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it would be the same thing: three on Saturday, rest on Sunday, except for Monday night. And there's a Thursday game tomorrow. I don't know if you knew that the New York yeah, football Jaguars. Jets are playing the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. Yeah, I knew that. But yeah, so because it's Christmas Day, I think they they flipped it. Okay. They flipped what it normally would be with Saturday and Sunday, and I think having a, a nice – there's one game on all day on Christmas Day, and I think that's awesome. Well, and that's why I was like – it just seemed a little weird to me because I'm not used to football on Christmas. You know what I mean? It's rare. Yep. It happens like once every seven, eight years. Yeah, so. I believe it's once every five because you go every day and then well, there's two leap years in between seven days. Yeah, so next year it'll be on Monday, Christmas. Yep. The year after is a leap year. Yep. So it'll be on Wednesday. Yep. And then in 2025, Thursday, 2026, Friday, 2027, Saturday, 2028, leap year on a Monday. Monday. So it's oh, going to so be not, a while. We're, we're not going to have a January 2nd. We're not going to go. We're not going to have a, a January 2nd winter classic in a while either. We're not talking about the winter classic this week because it's not our last show before the winter classic. But um, we're going to go a decade. Yeah. Or is there a leap year on the 20, 2024? I'm pretty sure there's a leap year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then, yeah, 2028 leap year. So, yeah, we're going to go over a decade without having foot Christmas on a Sunday. Yeah. That's a great point. That's why I'm not used to it. Nope. Frank, the bottom of the NFL standings are equally as intriguing as the top of the NFL standings. You got. Yeah. 
the Houston Texans are one loss away from locking up the number one overall pick. I'm fairly certain they will do so, which doesn't scare me as a Chicago Bears fan because I believe they will take a quarterback. So if the Bears end up in second overall pick, I believe they will choose any player that they actually want. It will be like they have the first overall pick. Do you make anything about the bottom of the draft or do you just kind of not care? No, I mean, the Seahawks and Lions made out like bandits in this yep. year's draft. Yep. Because they were banking on Denver being so good that this draft pick wouldn't be this low. And same thing with the Rams. After winning a Super Bowl, you don't think that this draft pick is going to be that low. But ultimately, right now, the Seahawks would take Denver's third pick. The Lions would take the Rams' fourth pick. And what we're seeing this year, VP, from the Seahawks and Lions they're not bad, bad teams. They're middle of the pack, could contend, you know, sprinkle maybe, try to make the playoffs this year. But now you're you're that team getting this high of a draft pick as well. That bodes well for the future. Got the Arizona Cardinals in fifth. They're, eh, I don't know. I have really nothing to say about them. Kyler Murray but, out for the year. Yeah, he's out for the year. But, I mean, their team has been shaky, so I, I really got no opinion on them right now. But the Seahawks Lions make out like bandits. The Bears should get the player that you want them to get. I forgot his name. Ring that bell for me again. Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Now, I mean, is there a chance the Bears would trade down knowing that one of the other teams wouldn't take Will Anderson? Because the two top quarterbacks right now is Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So what if – Denver wants Stroud, and they know he's going to take it. Would the Bears consider drafting – or not Denver, the Seahawks taking the Bears' second pick, knowing that they're not going to go for Anderson and maybe get something extra out of it? Or what do you think in that situation? Yeah, if the Bears trade down to third or fourth, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Absolutely wouldn't think be surprised they're going at all. To. Uh, it depends on the package. They don't need to. No, they don't need to. They'd be getting a great player. I think Will Anderson's going to be a superstar. And I think uh, the kid from Georgia, too, I'm drawing a blank on his name, the offensive lineman, I think the Bears could consider him as well. Will Anderson is my personal pick. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bears took this offensive lineman from Georgia. I'm for blanking on his name. But, yeah, I wouldn't shock me at all. Like, the freaking 49ers, they traded down from second to third in the Trubisky year, and they got, like, three or four extra picks out of it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And they whiffed on the third overall pick. Um, what's his name? Solomon Thomas or something like that. <laughs> it's Solomon something. Solomon. He yeah. he, uh, he stunk. Not stunk, but, you know, he wasn't a star. Um, Skokes points it out. Jalen Carter. He's a defensive tackle from Georgia. So I think I said offensive lineman. I meant defensive lineman. But they they're going to get a good player. There's no doubt about it. I'm happy with the way the Bears season has gone. I actually think the Lions are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they can. Because um, the Commanders play in a hard division. They're closing out the year against some better opponents. And the Lions got the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers. Three teams they're better than, in my opinion. So they could win out. If they win out in our 10-7, and seven, they're in. Yeah. I mean, I got them in the hunt right now. I have all the teams down because I know you wanted to talk about the updated playoff predictions or matchups and stuff. But, uh, yeah, they're in the hunt for sure. Yeah, well, let's get right into it. What are your updated playoff predictions? Well, I don't. I just have them listed 
how they are right now, one through seven. I have the AFC one through seven, how they're listed. I can run through that really quick. You got Bills one, Chiefs two, Bengals three, Titans four, Ravens five, Chargers six, Dolphins seven. That's in the AFC. And here are some of the teams. We got a lot of teams in the hunt in the AFC, um, really in both the NFC too because of how bad the Bucks division is. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots sneak their way into the playoffs. They got a game this week. Who's it against? They're dogs. They're dogs. The Patriots. They're dogs. Plays the Bengals. The Bengals. But I think the the Patriots could come away with the win against Cincinnati. I really do. And if they do, that puts them at eight and seven, which they're right there for one of the final playoff spots for the uh, the AFC. I I honestly do think the Patriots may find a way to sneak in. I would say the Jaguars, but that's a little bit of a stretch because they're six and eight. They probably have to win out and hope that the Chargers are Dolphins. No, they don't. Why? The only team they have to worry about is the Titans. Oh, I forgot about that. If they win their division, they get the four spot. That's right. It doesn't matter. They can get in. I was literally, it's so funny because right when you said that, look, (laughs) I'm looking too. It it's is possible. possible. I'm looking to see the rest of their schedule. The, it is. My, my pick is Patriots or Jaguars potentially get in. Or both. Eh. I don't think the Patriots beat Cincy. But I still think the Patriots can get in. I do. Because they're competing with, like, the Chargers and the uh, Jets. Like, yeah, no. Um Jaguars saved their season by beating the Titans and beating the Cowboys their last two weeks. Now they play the Jets tomorrow. You win that game, you become 7-8. and eight. You beat the Texans, who are the worst team in the NFL, then you're all of a sudden 8-8. Eight and eight. You could be staring down a division game against the Tennessee Titans on January 8th. Winner goes to the playoffs as the... That would be crazy. Uh, four seed loser goes home. Sign me up. I am rooting. I want the Titans to go one and one in their next two games, and I want the Jaguars to go two and zero oh in their next two games and duke it out in Week 18 for the division championship and a That'd chance for a home playoff team. I believe in Trevor Lawrence. Um, with New England, they well, let me take a look at the standings really quick. I do think the Dolphins are going to make it. Um, the Chargers are more likely to fall, in my opinion. The Ravens are going to be missing Lamar, which is a problem. But they're 9-5. and five. They have a two-game cushion instead of a one-game cushion like the other team. So really, they only need to win one more to like lock themselves into a playoff spot. Right. But, um, uh, no. I, I, I'm an, the only thing I disagree with you on, I, I think so highly of Cincy. I think, I think they're the best team in the NFL now. Like wow. I have, That's I have changed. Insane. They are my Super Bowl pick as of right now. That's they crazy. are, and because I learned something this week, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are very reminiscent of what I saw in Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. They are the best throwers of the football in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joe Burrow is a top five thrower of the football in the league, but he's the most clutch. 
He's the most clutch by far. Does that remind you of somebody? Somebody who in the last 20 years, they might have not had the biggest arm, but they had a top five arm. They might have not led the league in passing, but they were top five in passing. But when it mattered the most, they find ways to win. Can you think of anyone? Talking about Aaron Rodgers? Nope. Tom Brady? I'm talking about Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. I'm not saying Joe Burrow's Tom Brady. He'll be lucky to win three Super Bowls, let alone seven. But I believe that Joe Burrow is the closest thing in the NFL to Tom Brady because he has he has the talent, but he also has the clutch. And Vinny's was at Elmer's again. You got yeah, I was at Elmer's last year when I picked him to go all the way to the Super Bowl too. <laughs> and this year they just have an improved offensive line, two running backs that are good, and a dog filled defense. So the Cincinnati Bengals. Buy your stock on them right now. They got over their kryptonite. That was the Cleveland Browns. They've proven they could beat in the Chiefs. We'll see what happens when they play the Bills. I am excited about the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolutely stoked. Loved Joe Burrow at LSU. Saw him live when he was playing there. Haven't seen him live in the NFL yet. But I'm telling you what. Joey McJojo. He's the closest thing to Tom Brady because he combines talent with brains with clutchness. Mahomes is all talent, and Mahomes is clutch too. I'm not going to take – Mahomes will have three or four Super Bowls himself. I do believe that as well. But Joseph Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, Wow, very high on them. Well, let's just still go to the, the NFC Patriots, then. Still think the Patriots could get in though. I do. You, you talked about the Bucks. I could read over the what I got for the NFC standing. Go right ahead. now we got Eagles 1, Vikings 2, 49ers 3, Bucks 4, Cowboys 5, Giants 6, Commanders 7. Another crazy in the hunt. You got teams like Seahawks, Lions, Packers, and because the Bucks division stinks so bad, Panthers, Saints, and Falcons, who are all 5-9, and nine, are in the hunt. They are only one game behind the Bucks. This, the NFC, is a lot crazier in my opinion than the AFC because in the AFC I really only think the Patriots or the Jaguars are teams in the hunt that could get in but in the NFC all six teams I just named I think could get in I think the Lions could get in anybody could pass up the Bucks in that division the Packers have been playing well if they pick up a win this week they're right there as well and then they could duke it out with the Lions when the Lions play the Packers I mean really it is up for grabs in the NFC for a couple of those playoff spots the Panthers or the Saints and Falcons are one and three in their division, which is going to ultimately possibly be a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. They're one and three in their division, while the Bucks and Panthers are both three and one in their division. And I think the Panthers are going to lose to Detroit this weekend. And I think because of the tiebreaker stuff, the Saints and Falcons have no chance. Um, so I do think the Bucks are going to win their division. I'm not just saying that because Tom Brady's there. It's literally just the math. Of like, I if I truly believe the Panthers lose to the Lions, it's almost like I don't care what the Bucks do. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I still say I wouldn't want to play the Bucks in the playoffs, but um, they're going to play a team that might stink anyway. Like they might play the Lions in the first round. Like you never know who they play in the first round. Uh, I actually think they would play whoever's five. So it would probably be the Cowboys, which the Buccaneers smoked the Cowboys in week one. Mm-hmm. We watched that game together. 
and things change. Obviously, the Cowboys are a better team. We know that now. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on anything in the NFC except for the 49ers. I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. They're going to the Super Bowl. So do I. Um, did you know Brock Purdy was mystery relevant? Yeah, they mentioned that last game. I did not know that. I had no clue. I had no clue. Who who's the most notable mystery relevant in any sport you could think of? There's there's one that comes to know. mind. I don't know. A Mr. Irrelevant has a Stanley Cup clinching goal in your time watching hockey. He is Jeff credited Harding? with the game winning goal. No. I don't even know where to begin. You're on the right track of the team he currently plays for, but this player no longer plays for that current team. Uh, the goal was scored by Mr. Irrelevant, and it was assisted by the guy who went first overall in the draft. <laughs> so it's the first pick and the last pick combining for the Stanley Cup game-winning goal. You want me to say it? Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. It's Patrick Hornquist. He was, he, scored, he was mystery relevant in the 2005 NHL draft, and Sidney Crosby went first in that draft, and they combined to score a Stanley Cup game-winning goal 11 years later. Wow. Absolutely unbelievable. But Brock Purdy, if he could play well, if they get Jimmy G back, we'll see. The 49ers are so good. They, I said this season, going into the season, that they have their right there with the Bills for the best roster in the NFL. San Francisco's roster, their defense, it blows the Bills' defense out of the water. They don't get as many takeaways as the New England Patriots, but they're 10 times faster. Joey Bosa might be the best defensive player in the NFL. And, oh, man, the 49ers are just so good. We agree (laughs) on the NFC. I think the rest of the NFC is good. Like, the Eagles and Vikings are good. The Cowboys are good. But they're not great like the top four teams in the AFC, in my opinion. Yes. Even the Ravens and Chargers and Dolphins, they all have very good quarterbacks that can like win a playoff game. Yep. Lamar is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. If he's healthy, the Ravens could beat anybody. Anybody. Hey, Steelers are in the hunt. They're six and eight. (laughs) You never know. Think it's coming back. Yeah. They're in the hunt with five other six and eight teams. It's all right. I like the underdogs there. Everybody looked at me like I had three heads when I thought Ben would make the playoffs last year. And sure as shit. What you're saying right now makes it look like you have seven heads. Oh, we'll see. They're two games out. They're two Ah. games out. What's their division record? Two and four. Oh no, that's their home record. Oh, one and three. Their conference records, two and seven. They've been feasting on AFC teams. (laughs) Or NFC teams. Oh my goodness. Oh, okay. Congrats to the Steelers for beating like the Cardinals or something. That's all right. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, Mitchell Trubisky's so bad. Oh my god, he threw um, three picks that game. Pickett got injured. I know, I know. He stinks. Um but yeah, Can I don't know. The only team I could see making a run besides the 49ers is the Vikings because they have like some sick weapons on offense. Their defense sucks. They're def- that's the worst defense of an 11 and 3 team I think I've ever seen through 14 games. They're, yeah, it's their defense not, is that's supposed to be their strong suit this year. See, for me it was always offense for them. 
because they have Thielen, Jefferson, Cook. Rip on them all you want. Kirk Cousins is a, a good enough quarterback. He could get Jefferson the ball. He could put it in a spot where only he Jefferson can jump up and get it using some mad skills that Jefferson has. Um, I could see them like going far in the NFC playoffs, but if they somehow like upset the Eagles or the 49ers and got to the Super Bowl, I think I'd they would stunned. get smashed. I legitimately think the Super Bowl is going to be a blowout unless the 49ers make it. Wow. I don't it, agree like, with that. Who who wouldn't get blown out by the Chiefs, Bills, or Bengals? But the thing is, it's like those primetime big games. It's It doesn't matter how bad the team is. It just seems like they always come to play. You're right. You're right. That's just kind of that's, – that's probably my, like, bold take right now is that unless the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl, the AFC champion is going to blow out the NFC champion. I don't know if we'll ever see a Super Bowl where, like, a team is double-digit underdogs. No. No. Not not underdogs. Double-digit losses, though? No, underdogs. Like to... Yeah, no, I know. I don't know. Double-digit I, losses, I... yeah, but not an underdog. Yeah. I, well, I want the most competitive Super Bowl possible this year, and I think the 49ers have to make it for that to be the case. Unless Tom Brady starts pulling magic out of a hat again. We'll see. Jalen Hurts' injury is concerning. Yeah. I mean, rest them. You, you got it locked up, basically. I mean, if the Vikings win out and the Eagles lose out, which I don't think is going to happen, then you lose the number one seed. But you basically got it locked up. You know, with a bad enough luck, the Eagles can like not even win their division. They haven't clinched their division yet. Who's their the in only their team division? in the uh, the Cowboys? If the Cowboys win out and the Eagles lose out, the Cowboys will be the division champions and probably the number two seed. And the Vikings will have passed for the number one seed. But I thought there was injury concern in uh, Dallas too, isn't there? With somebody? Uh, I have no I There might be, actually. I, all I know is that since announcing the Hurts stuff, the line moved from Eagles minus one and a half to Dallas minus four and a half. That's big. So I think Hurts isn't going to play. Why would it drop that much if it's like right. maybe? Right. Someone knows something. The Sharks, they're, they're going all in on the freaking Cowboys now. That makes sense. Um, it makes sense for sure. Yeah, I I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But my takeaway from this last weekend, the way the Buccaneers had that lead on the Bengals and the Bengals just came storm. They're 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 the modern day. Like they're that team. They're never out. And I know Mahomes and Allen are never out either. But like the Bengals are right there. They have built yep. this thing so well. I mean, good running good. game. Yeah, they're very, very good. Um, Frank, what's your favorite football story of the week? I'm going with the chalk answer this week because I couldn't stop talking about it. NFL made history with the largest deficit overcome, 33 to nothing by the, the um, oh, my God. The Colts were up 33 to nothing against the Minnesota Vikings. Something that no team has ever done before is they overcame a 33 to nothing deficit. NFL teams, when they lead by more than 30 points in a game, 30 or more, are 1,548, 2, and 1. And one of those two losses are the Minnesota Vikings beating the Colts. 
it's weird there's a tie in there i would be livid if there you had this epic 30 point comeback and the game ended in a tie so that kind of irritates me that there was a game that tied it when somebody was up 30 um i think matt ryan it's time to hang up the helmet if you're watching matt ryan i think it's time to retire you have two of the worst losses in nfl history on your resume right now and uh you're getting benched this week it was announced that he's being benched this week so I forgot who the backup is. Uh, shoot, I was on the tip of my tongue. It's the kid. Um, somebody we know. I'm oh, trying to think of his name. Well, whatever. He's being benched this Sam week. Sam Ellinger. No, I don't think it is. For the Colts? Yeah, they announced who was started. The name doesn't ring a bell. Well, Sam Ellinger started... Last time they have Nick Foles too. Nick Foles is starting. That's who it is. Nick Foles will be starting for the Colts. Yep. Nick Foles is starting for the Colts over Ellinger. Yep. I remember uh, hearing that. Did Ellinger get hurt, and that's why they went back to Ryan in the first place? I don't know. Um, I see. I, I just googled the Colts. Yep. Bench QB Matt Ryan to start Nick Foles. Yep. Nick Foles will be <sighs> starting. If that ain't a sign, Matt Ryan, to hang up the helmet. Now is the time to do so. 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Against Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. And now 33 and 0 against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. You should be ashamed for yourself. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I, I would question though. Are either of those his fault? I'm gonna say no. I don't care. I'm you do so no. good to give your team a 33 to nothing lead, and then you just falter. The defense gave up those comeback points, though. But he couldn't score. What happened on offense? You're, you're right. You're away. right. Okay, you're right. That's a good yeah, point. I needed, like, one more score. You're right. I just think the defense deserves more blame. I'll go 80-20. 80-20? 80-20. Uh, I don't know. You put up 33 points. Most NFL teams don't score 33 points at all. When's the last time the Bears scored 33? Seven weeks ago? That was probably... No, they've had a couple 30-burgers this year. Aaron Rodgers says the Packers would be undefeated if they scored 30 every game. Probably yeah. not true. Probably not. I don't but know they could be. Imagine. Probably be close to it. Which is why you can't blow that lead. Yes. Completely. That's embarrassing. So embarrassing. It's a reason that they're the first team to ever do it. My favorite football story of the week is that the Green Bay Packers won and all of their fans now believe that they got a chance to win this thing. They're six and eight. They think they can run the table and they're going to beat Detroit because they're better than the Lions, even though they have a worse record and they're going to get into the playoffs. No, you're not. I'm so happy the Packers won because now all the fans believe that they have a chance to make it. They ruined their chance at a top 10 pick. It's over for you. You have a devastating wow. loss coming your way, and I'm so happy about it. That's my favorite football story of the week. My not favorite football story of the week is one that I feel the need to mention is that um, Hall of Fame running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Franco Harris has passed away. He is yep. the legend of 72 years old, and he was famously known for having the immaculate reception. 
Um, it is one of the great plays in the history of the NFL, one of the most iconic. It has a nickname that derives from the Bible that comes from it. So, you know, just an absolute legend in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers who are one of the marquee franchises of the NFL. They're one of the OGs. They're one of the greats. And he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1990. He leaves us today at the age of 72 years old. We would now like to send you to period number three. Welcome to period three, where we will talk about Christmas. You like and Christmas. Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. And whatever it is you may celebrate, drop it in the chat. We want to hear what you're celebrating this week. Frank, I love Christmas. Okay, I love the Christmas time. I like seeing uh, fellow people who celebrate Hanukkah go through their motions during this holiday season. I believe that from Friday at about 5 o'clock to the day after New Year's Day, January 2nd, mm-hmm. um. It's one of the funnest weeks on the calendar. And the reason I say that is because it is the only week. And listen, you could have your favorite holiday. You could have your favorite week of the year for sports reasons or whatever. I have mine, certainly. Love March Madness. Love Fourth of July. Love the Bags Tournament. Door County. Things that are personal to me. But in terms of the whole wide world, it's like it's not real life. From Friday at 5 p.m. to January 2nd. I get Nobody, what you're Nobody takes anything seriously. It's about celebrating and hanging out. And the world has just kind of stopped for a week. I mean, there are people that are probably listening to this that think I'm an arrogant a-hole that, you know, work frontline jobs like, you know, hospitals and police officers. And we can't thank those people enough on this show for those kinds of jobs. But for the most part, things just aren't the same as the rest of the year for that one week. And it is very joyous to be a part of. Um, I'm excited about it, Frank. Frankly, uh, what I What's said, frankly, I'm excited about it. Oh, yeah, I'm excited too. It's some of the best times of the year. Um, I look forward to Christmas every year, it's one of my favorite holidays. So, yeah, uh, Katie wants us to tell this to her boss. Will you do it? Let me see the come. Tell says, what? Can you oh, tell why she's got to work on Christmas? Uh, like that week. Oh, the week Which after? I do too. The week but, after? Yeah. Ah, oh, it's what? Why? Why is that like bad? The week after Christmas? Well, that whole week, a lot of the time, is like it's not real life. It's fake. Well, yeah, but it's fake news. Everybody's drinking hot cocoa. Drink hot cocoa while you work. Well, maybe he's watching. He or she. Yeah, Frank. Christmas is coming up. We're going to go through some of your favorites. I'm going to list things to you, and you're going to tell me what of said thing is your favorite thing to do with Christmas. Frank, your favorite Christmas cookie. I haven't had one of these in a while, but it seems like I only find these around Christmas time, but I haven't had any recently. And it, it's disappointing because they actually were so popular at one point that they created a basket or bin of them selling just these cookies because people wanted them. That would be the pinwheel cookie by far. I love pinwheel cookies so much. I love pinwheel cookies too. They don't make me think of Christmas though. 
they I only really ever have them around Christmas. Really? You, you know what? Like the really in the Christmas container, and I, I don't know. Yeah, you're gonna think I'm crazy. They make I, me I really think, of, think about another they make Christmas. me think of funerals. <laughs> I mean, I I kind of get what you're going. I understand. People who live in the Chicagoland area might have heard of Cumberland Chapels. I believe it's in Norwich, yeah, Illinois. They in their little basement where the families gather to have their little snacks while they're <laughs> celebrating their dead person. They have this box of pinwheel cookies, and I remember being seven, eight, nine years old, just dummying pinwheel cookies anytime there was a relative that I barely knew that passed away. Just the way it was. Sorry. Um, my favorite holiday cookie. It's a peanut butter cookie with the Hershey's Kiss dropped right on top. So I only ever have those around Christmas time. What do you call those? There's a name from. Katie says it's not the funnest week of the year, but it's the busiest. That's fair. Uh-huh. I enjoy it. I love Christmas. I like looking at lights. I like eating cookies, listening to the songs. Got to be, uh, got to be the way it is skokes says the funeral home next to villanopoly yes skokes that is also something though i would follow those cookies up with a pie from villanopoly just about any time i had a person die in the family we don't go there as much anymore because our families migrated out here the funerals haven't been there as much in the last 10 years or so but i think they're yes. called peanut butter blossoms Ooh, that actually sounds familiar peanut butter blossoms all right, Frank, what's your favorite Christmas song? And you can name two or three honorable mentions as well, because there are so many. I got ones. two. All right. Who is this? Maurice Linnell. They make the pinwheel cookies. They died. Maybe that's why I haven't got any cookies lately. That makes sense, Bean. I haven't you had a pinwheel cookie. I'm overdue. Joey made them. Well, did I get? So we made them one time. All it is, all it is, is chocolate and vanilla cookie swirl, and he made the pink sugar to dip on the outside. I remember he made them. We'll have to chat with him about making them again. Maybe, maybe I'll have him make a sniff. If we have an All Star Game party for the NHL All Star Game, that's my plan. We will have pinwheel cookies. That is a VP guarantee. All right. Well, now that is a VP guarantee. I got you on video. Put me on video. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I put my opinions on Twitter.com every single day just for people to write. write. All right, Katie. I don't know who Maurice Linnell is. I've heard of it. Heard Maurice of it. Linnell cookies. They do. They have like I've the variety box. Maurice Linnell. Right. I remember the variety box. It had the and, chocolate ones. Right. They were delicious. The so chocolate ones were the second best. They only wanted pinwheels. Yes. Yes. There but the chocolate ones were the, the second best. What can I say? Yeah, you want well, a song? I'll give you a song. Yeah, give me a song. I got How two songs that? for you. Yeah, I know what your first one is already. We've talked about this before. Yeah, Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid 30. I love yep. the rendition of it. Fantastic song. Great meaning to the song. Um, it's it's just about like people who not always can't afford a Christmas or are lucky enough to have a Christmas. So I like the meaning of the song. Um, and I, I just I really enjoy the song as a whole. The second one, you're not going to expect me to say this. It's from 2021. It was done by Ed Sheeran and Elton John called Merry Christmas. And it has slowly become one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time, hands down. Wow. It is starting to overlap the first one, I think. It is very close. I'm going to have to listen to it. Elton John, what's it called? 
It's called Merry Christmas, and it's by Ed Sheeran and Elton John. Ed Sheeran and Elton John. I like that. I really, really like that. My mom just texted me a picture of the pinwheel cookies that Joey Parisi made. He made those. I I do remember he made them around Christmas. And so he did some with green and some with pink. I will never, we will, we will make sure that that. well, you probably were invited and you had to go like bowling or something. I hate bowling. I like bowling. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, we're going to have this all-star game party for the NHL all-star game. I don't know where it's going to be, but we're going to have one and we will make pinwheel cookies. It's going to be great. Um, my favorite. So for a long time, my all-time favorite Christmas song was Carol of the Bells. And it had to be a version. It had to be a version where people were singing it. Like I like the epic ones where it's like, and it's all musical instruments. I like those renditions. I really do. But they're not like, S tier with the sing-along versions of them. And I'm one of the few people in the world. Listen, I stink at most things I do. I know all the words to Carol of the Bells, and I think most people probably don't because it goes so fast and it's kind of a hard song. It took me years to learn every word to Carol of the Bells. And there are still a couple parts where I mess up a little bit, but I, I for the most part know every word to Carol of the Bells, and I'm proud of that. So that's why it's like an honorable mention for me. And then there are two Michael Buble songs that are honorable mentions for me. His rendition of It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. I post that song on my Snapchat year-round. Every time it snows, I do the video. That's a good one. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yep, that's a good one. I like that. And I, yes, I love his version of Jingle Bells. Merry Christmas, ladies. Merry Christmas, Mr. Buble. (laughs) Are you guys ready to sing a little Jingle Bells? Yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome Christmas song. And to round out my Mount Rushmore of favorite Christmas songs, it is the great, very first winner of American Idol, Kelly Clarkson, Underneath the Tree, is my number one favorite Christmas song. That song has great lyrics. It has great meaning. It's catchy. And it also rocks. There's a band playing some good music behind it. Her band rocks. I love that song, Underneath the Christmas Tree. I actually, that's one Underneath the Tree, Kelly Clarkson. I almost said Underneath the Christmas Tree. I'm not trying to botch the name of her song. That is uh that's one of my favorites too. I really like that one. And also one by Ariana Grande, Santa Tell Me. Yes. I yes, like I know what too. you're talking about. Like I'm an Ariana Grande guy. I like that one too. Yeah, absolutely. So Oh, and the- one more, one more honorable mention I got. Go ahead. Bruce Springsteen, his live rendition of Santa Claus is coming to town. Wow. Outstanding up there for me is one of my favorites. The Devils are for sure winning tonight now that you brought up Bruce Springsteen. That's what I need to happen tonight. Frank, uh, Katie says they, they had a factory you could go in and eat the broken cookies. You yeah, jealous you missed out on the Maurice Linnell factory? I am. Why'd they have to die? Go in and dummy the all good things die, Frank. Everything dies, everything on earth. Um, they did it out of spite. What is your all time favorite Christmas? food this was tough but it then is tough. something came to my head that i have every year that i'd say very rarely anybody else has at their okay. christmas dinner it's subjective it's definitely subjective this answer could be every single person on earth could have a different i'm answer gonna here. i'm gonna go with my honorable mention first okay 
My honorable mention is ham. Just because I don't ham. Just because I don't always have ham on Christmas, but I want to. I love ham so much that when I was by your house the other day, I had so much ham. I just filled up on ham. And I just feel like it belongs around a Christmas table. Somewhere Tom Mangarelli is yelling ham at he the is. top of his he lungs. Is. We He's need a laughing. video. We need a video of him yelling ham where I can just insert it like a sound bite, like a radio. Station. I agree. Ham! I think that would be fantastic. I love but it. Something I have every year that I just absolutely love. It is. They're called potato poopies because they look like turds. They look potato poopies. They they look like poop, like turds. You know what they are? Fried oh, sure. mashed potatoes. I'm sure they're delightful. In the shape of turds. That is awesome. Now, are we talking like five-year-old Frankie Mueller turds? Or are we talking like timeout type of turds? Like, like little tea- turds. Post T-Bell turds? Like, what are they're we talking huge, here? Though. They're not That's... huge, but they're fantastic. Potato poopies. Wow. That is absolutely unbelievable. Aren't you get- glad you asked me my favorite uh, Christmas food? <laughs> yeah, actually. Absolutely. I am. Um, I was thinking for myself, like, a certain type of fish dish that we might have on Christmas every now and then. But when I think of fish with the Italians, it makes me more think of New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, The Italians love having fish-related meals and culinary options on New Year's Eve. And I'm going to a wedding on New Year's Eve this year. And because of that, I'm pretty sure I ordered the fish, if I recall correctly. Uh, That came to mind. Fish around Christmas is common. Yes, it is. It's like a tradition to do that something called the seven fishes. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's not uncommon fish around, but I very rarely see fish around Christmas, at least the houses I go to. Yeah. It's normally always a new year's Eve thing from as far as I can remember. I did one year on Christmas. Someone made like butter noodles with clams and, um, scallops mixed in there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was absolutely delightful. I remember eating that. That's an honorable mention for me. But the one that I have pretty much every year, and I know my mom's watching. (laughs) I know she's watching Uh, because she sent me the picture of JP making the pinwheels. I would like to see party potatoes on Christmas Eve. I love party potatoes. They make me think of Christmas. They also kind of make me think of Easter a little bit too because they kind nobody makes them on Thanksgiving even though they would fit on a Thanksgiving table in my opinion, but you're not going to have party potatoes and mashed potatoes and baked potatoes. Like, you need just the mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving in my opinion. I hear you. Um, But for Christmas and Easter, the the party potatoes, they're cheesy. I think people are going to be weirded out by this. I'm pretty sure cream of mushroom soup is the base of this meal, but you don't taste the mushrooms. There are no actual mushrooms in it. It's nothing more. It's like using cream of, uh, it's like using a chicken broth for broccoli cheddar soup. Like it's literally just the base and it's not even like a soupy meal. It's like, it's like a casserole almost. And it's cheesy. Um, it's potatoy party potato. And I'm not a potato guy I, other than like French fries, like top quality French fries. 
I almost a lot of potato-based foods here. Yeah, well, the party potatoes are absolutely unbelievable. We have never ventured out into, and I think this is something to tell my brother, my mom, you, I think we could work on this. We can, like, get creative with these party potatoes. We can make buffalo chicken party potatoes. We can make barbecue chicken party potatoes. Try me with some cream cheese, crab rangoon-flavored party potatoes. Like, there are so many different ways you could venture off spicy cream chili party potatoes like i mean those would probably be pretty good they would probably be freaking awesome and i think we got to venture out and try those sometime but yes party potatoes my favorite christmas food frank you've been alive on this earth for 25 years 24 24 you're three years younger than me but i just had a birthday yeah so my birthday will be put me at 25 in all of those years or eight whatever yeah, in all of those years, what is the, your favorite Christmas present you've ever been given? That's tough. Um, there have been a lot of memorable ones, right? I've gotten an Xbox, which was at the prime of my gaming career, and ultimately why I love gaming so much today. I've gotten a Nintendo Switch. I've gotten hockey jerseys that I really like. Um the thing that comes to mind to me the most is because I've used it more than any other thing I've ever had probably. And it's got so much use out of it. I'm pretty sure you asked me this last Christmas episode last year. And I I think my answer is still the same. It could be my gaming chair because of how many years I've had it and the story of how I got it. And that's up there because of it's well got its money's worth. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. Yeah, I like the Switch. Um, I got the Undertaker Championship belt. That was pretty cool. That's up there. Um, pretty sure VP knew you were getting that long before you got it, too. Could be. I don't know. Um, I might go with the gaming chair, though, because of how much use of it out of it I got. Yeah. You still have it? Yeah. It's behind me. Very, very good. My all-time favorite Christmas present. Um, that's tough. I didn't put it. I wrote tough. it down. Um, I'm going to go back to when I was a little boy. Um, Last week? Yeah. <laughs> Shit, yesterday. Um, my dad went out of his way to find me a guitar. And I didn't learn how to play it or, you know, I didn't stick with it as much as I probably should have. I, I know a thing or two about guitars, but I don't know how to play it by any means. Yeah. It's still probably right there with piano and drums as my favorite musical instruments. I would probably go piano, um, guitar, drums. And I really like bass, too, probably like my Mount Rushmore. But I was just so excited that I got a guitar and I felt cool and my it meant a lot that my dad like went out of his way and he, he they found it him and my mom mm-hmm. and they got the guitar and I remember loving the guitar it was my favorite thing and we still have it it's at my parents house it's a blue Fender Squire so it's like a typical looking guitar that you would see like a it's pretty cool someone in a band use so yeah I remember just incredibly being thrilled about the guitar and then I also right there with that my mom and dad searched far and wide for rock band yeah we've had a lot of memories with rock band 
Yes, and it wasn't under the tree. So I thought I didn't get up? it. Or no? no, I thought I didn't get it. And then like 20 minutes after we were done opening presents, my dad and mom called me downstairs and there it was big old box rock band not wrapped or anything i'm pretty sure i would like to know the story on that i'm gonna ask them i don't know if they found it late in the christmas buying season they probably just didn't why... want to no rock band was like hard to find though at first mm-hmm. i think that was the problem i decided i wanted it way too late in like the christmas season and I think I remember being like passionate about wanting it and it ended up not being easy. to. It was like we at first, maybe not as hard as we, but like it was hard to find at first. You would have to like scour stores and stuff, but it was there on Christmas. So those are my two favorite gifts. I would say in my Santa Claus days. So interesting. interesting. Now my favorite gift is the gift of Katie. Ah. I set you up to say something nice back. Well, G's the the only present I need. I've told her that. All you need is her underneath the tree. Frank, which one you want to do next? Let's do your favorite Christmas tradition. My favorite tradition is all the games that go around on Christmas. It is more games than any other holiday. Um... You got grab bags. Um, you got crazy like cellophane wrap games. I mean, Christmas time is just filled with loads of games that people play. And most familiar familiar to everyone is probably like grab bags and doing the grab bags. I love those traditions because imagine if like that you didn't do that thing. It just wouldn't feel like Christmas almost. Like you, those are things that you look forward to. Those are some of like your highlights of the day. So I would have to say stuff like that, all the games that surround the Christmas season. That's outstanding. My favorite Christmas tradition is talking politics and religion with all my uncles. Wow. Absolutely not. That's fake news. I was going to um, say, I wasn't my fa- that. My, fa- my favorite Christmas tradition is uh, it's definitely throughout my life has been opening presents with my parents and brother. You grow up doing that and you start to get to this point in your life and you start to dream about what that would be like with you on the other side of it, you know, opening your kids, opening presents with your kids and your significant other. So Mm kind of in that transition period and I love having everyone around me as a part of it. So I would say the opening of presents um, on Christmas morning is definitely my favorite Christmas tradition. It normally follows a fire breakfast or precedes a fire breakfast and you know me i like to eat i like to make sure i get my meals so that's definitely it for me and i would say what you said kind of fits into that category (laughs) i didn't hate opening up the new cod or the new nhl every year on christmas by any means i would normally be like my secondary game i would get on christmas Uh because i would get cod and nhl the day they came out in october and november but then like around christmas is when you would get the battlefields and the assassin's creeds and you know this is your secondary favorite games Uh the games you played off of the main ones so that's what i remember with opening gifts in the morning like that same same thing with the rock band and the guitar all that kind of stuff but that's exactly uh 
that's exactly how I feel about it. Tom says, hey, Vinny, now I know what to talk about on the way up to D.C. I'm trying to think of what we were talking about. Is it ham? <laughs> I, I have no idea. It could uh, be. I have no idea what he's talking about, to be honest. We're, we're going to have plenty to talk about on the way up to D.C. There's no doubt about it. But I'm curious which which part. Um, Frank, before we get into that, though, favorite Christmas movie? Hands down. You're gonna make, you've made fun of me for this before. I'm not going to make fun of you. I but might call you a goober. You have, though. You. you did when I said it last time. It's hands down the Polar uh, Express. It's not even I, close. It's not even close. I did not make fun yes, of you, you for did. that. Let's go no, back I to the did. footage. We got the footage. He said politics and religion. All right, I can have a good conversation about politics and religion. We could talk about <laughs> we could talk about things like never mind. <laughs> um, Frank, that's not a bad pick. That's fine. I'm just saying we got it on video. Find it. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to figure out what episode it was. Do it. Maybe you're thinking of JP ripping on you last year or something. It could be. I don't know. I like the Polar Express. It's not on my Mount Rushmore, but I like it. It's definitely in my top 10. Ooh, what's... Uh, try to think of your Mount Rushmore. My favorite Christmas movie of all time is The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. And I love that movie. I just watched it. Um, I actually just watched it two nights ago. And then I would say my Mount like Rushmore... Yeah, my Mount Rushmore Christmas movies is definitely... The Santa Claus, The Santa Claus 2, Elf, and I really like It's a Wonderful Life. I'm probably one of the only people under 30 that doesn't roast it for being too long or too boring. I actually really like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, but I, I'll actually throw Christmas with the Cranks on the Mount Rushmore. People hate that movie. It's got such bad reviews on every single site you go on. Like a 13 out of 100 on some of Christmas these websites. The yeah, people hate it. But I like it. I like it a lot. It make, it warms my heart. It feels good. It's Tim Allen, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. So that's my Mount Rushmore with the Santa Claus wow. leading the way. I like it. I like it. Do you have a Mount Rushmore? Probably not, to be honest with you. Interesting. Frankie hates Christmas movies. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't have a lot of. No. What are you most excited for, though, with this upcoming weekend, the Christmas holiday season, besides the upcoming blizzard that we're actually about to undergo? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the kids' reactions to everything they receive, the little ones. I like to see how excited they get because I know I was the same way. And um, I just love when you're able to give back to people and stuff. I like that feeling and the sense that people get. So I would say, yeah, that. Absolutely. That's a wonderful story. I agree. Um, for me, it's definitely spending it with the people that mean the most to me. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to exchange gifts with my girlfriend, Katie. Um, it's technically our second Christmas together, but it's a little bit different than the one a year ago. In terms of like now we're like in a long term relationship and it's just it's been so wonderful. So I'm so excited to share my gifts with her. And I'm also just extremely excited to talk politics and religion 
with some of the most opinionated people in my family. I can't wait to get into the nitty and gritty of it all, letting them know how I truly feel about it. Um, <laughs> uh, so from us here at Bar Down Talking Hockey, we can't thank you enough for tuning in all season long. I didn't forget America's favorite podcast segment of the week. I'm just leading off the holiday stuff. And we wish you a very happy uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. We can't thank all of you enough for being a part of it all. Listen, I know sometimes the Christmas time of year can be very stressful. There are things that make us sad during these times of years. There's seasonal depression. There's things that aren't easy to deal with around these times. We all go through it. We have family troubles sometimes. Nothing of it is easy. And mm-hmm. I just want each and every one of you watching to know, and I think I could speak for Frankie on this. You got our Twitter handles right here. If you ever need a friend, if you ever need someone to talk to about something, especially during the holiday season, you know how to find us. We're pretty easy accessible. Um, I have plenty of people calling me an a-hole about my opinions of, you know, certain things going on with my favorite teams. None of that matters. It's all about feeling good and enjoying each other during this holiday season. And like I said, if you're having troubles, there are people around that love you. I know that for a fact. You might not think it, but it, it's never as bad as it seems. And I promise it's hard during these times sometimes. But you you have people that care, including Frank and I. And thank you very much for listening. Now we're going to go back to being complete degenerate a-holes and talk about our gambling addiction in America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Where's my money, bitch? Frank, where's my money? Let it go. All right, on the slate for today. I'll start you off with hockey. We talked about this team a little bit today. Devils are going to Florida to play the Panthers. I think there's tremendous value on the Devils' money line here. It's Devils' money line is plus 117. I think they end the losing streak to, tonight. They lost to Florida a couple days ago. I think this is a revenge game, and they're one of the best teams on the road. I don't think I could ever take Florida in this situation at whatever they are minus. Think the Devils get their act together and uh, cook up a crisp win as the underdog at plus one seventeen. On the other side of things, um, Alabama State plays Memphis. This is probably going to be a schnoozer. Alabama State State sucks. Memphis got a good team. They're at home. They're undefeated at home. Alabama State is one in ten this year. They're zero and ten on the road. Memphis is minus thirty one and a half. Take the minus one, 31 and a half. I think they'll win by 32 or more. Um, it's minus 114. Alabama State, they're not that well-known of a college team. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Memphis. So I know 31 and a half sounds like a lot of points to lay, but I think it's worth it in the at the end of the day, in all honesty. So Memphis minus 31 and a half at minus 114, I think is very good value there. And the last one, I wanted to choose a game over the weekend as like your Christmas day gift from us at Barroom. bills play the bears. People are going to think I'm crazy, but I like the bears plus nine in this situation. I think they're going to be able to keep it close against Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills. 
Bears are at home, which is a huge plus. The Bears, out of all of their losses this year, they've only had three losses that have been by more than nine points. They've shown that they could score, but they give up some points. However, with the cold and snow, potentially that is reminiscent. I think the Bears could keep it within nine points. I really do. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by Josh Allen. I could be wrong. The Bears could lose by 40 for all I know, but I think there's some value in the Bears plus nine. I don't like taking Buffalo minus nine on the road in this situation. So Bears plus nine at minus 112 is my final pick for this week. If you're the Buffalo Bills, you got to be freaking pissed. Because you play in Buffalo, which is probably the worst weather city in terms of like snow and blizzards in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And they finally have a road game. Oh, you have to come play in the coldest game of the week, the Chicago Bears game at Soldier Field. It is projected to be the coldest game of the season for any team and definitely the coldest of this week. Um, I want to give a little advisory to those who live in the United States. This is kind of something like every state north of North Carolina is going to deal with, which is a large portion of the country. They're saying this is like a cold front that is unlike we've ever seen in the United States, where in terms of like, there's never been this much ground covered by the same storm, like the same cold front and like pretty much every major city that's not a typical warm weather city like Miami's not getting it but like pretty much every major city is going to be getting parts of this weather and from what I know we're going to get some rain for a little bit and then all of a sudden it's going to be a dry freeze and then all of a sudden everything's going to be covered in ice it's going to be extremely difficult conditions to maneuver through and we could get anywhere from three to six inches of snow which is not even close to the problem it's the ice combined with the fact that there are going to be anywhere from 35 to 60 mile per hour wind gusts i think that's a big issue i hope everybody out there stays safe do what you got to do to be safe don't be dumb enjoy your holiday it should be over by the time we get to christmas eve but these next couple days, do what you got to do to be safe. And I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just trying to be informative on the information that I know. If I wasn't in sports, I probably would be in weather. That's probably my second calling in life. Like, I truly believe that would have been the thing I went into if I wasn't into sports. But this is where we are. Enjoy your weekend. One thing. You heard the baseball news? I don't know. Carlos Correa? No, I don't think so. What team do you think Carlos Correa plays for? As far as I know, it was the Twins. Okay, last week, Carlos Correa signed a deal with the San Francisco Giants. Oh, that's right, that's right, the Giants, the Giants. Yeah, then he failed his physical yesterday. And at 1.48 a.m., VP was typing, catching up, because I went to dinner last night, and that's why I was working a little later than usual. I'm about to go to bed. One. 38 a.m. John Heyman, New York Post. Breaking news. Carlos Correa is officially a New York Met. <laughs> what? He, he went where? Are you serious? I actually forgot. He, he signed with the New York Mets after the San Francisco Giants 
took their offer kind of off the table while they work out his physical. He said, oh, you don't want to sign me? You think my physical is an issue? I'm going to go to the New York Mets, and now he's going to the New York Mets. He's going to play third base instead of shortstop. Wow. The New York Mets have officially spent the most money of any team this offseason. Their luxury tax penalty is more than any contract the White Sox have ever given out to a player. It is unbelievable what's going on with the New York Mets. Honestly. Your reaction. I'm stunned. I actually forgot he went to the Giants. Um, But now, yeah, I remember we talked about that. Wow, now he's on the Mets. That Mets team. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they should be pretty good. I mean, they lost the Grom. Awesome. Yeah, and they replaced him with Verlander. Yeah, I know. but Who won the Cy Young. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they're going to be good. World Series contenders. World Series contenders. We will get a Subway Series for the World Series, I think. Wow. Eventually. Really? Maybe not next year. Eventually. Because the Mets just keep spending and the Yankees will finally win an ALCS that they go to. They can't lose five straight ALCSs. Like, they're going to win not? one of them. I mean, They'll win one of them. The, like, you would think the, eventually they win. Yeah. I and mean, that, I think that sets up a Subway Series because I don't see how the Mets don't go to the World Series next year. Like, I, I just mean, don't. I thought they had a chance to do damage this year. Me too. And then they choked against the Padres. Now, the Padres proved to be worthy when they also went on and beat uh, the Braves. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to be good. And the reason I bring this up is tomorrow at 2 p.m., Crosstown Crosstalk will be a heavy New York Mets episode to send you into the Christmas weekend. I'm very excited about talking with a certain group of people from the fan-sided networks on the New York Mets, the site expert of Rising Apple. That should be a lot of fun. Frank, your open invite to come on, talk baseball, is open for the rest of time. Um, I encourage everybody to tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. Frank, do you have anything left to say to the people? I do. I don't know. It was a nice little Christmas thing. I thought I'd give it a shot. So that's what I got to say. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, And hope you have a great rest of your year. And on to 2023. We have one more show. I know, but. We have one more show where it will be very Boston Bruins, Pittsburgh Penguins heavy. I bet you can assume why. Very much looking forward to previewing my favorite day of the NHL. Well, one of my favorite days of the NHL calendar the NHL Winter Classic at Fenway Park between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. The Bar Down crew will have eyes on the floor at the Winter Classic, and that's going to be very exciting for Joey Parisi, who will be attending the game. We will preview all of that next week here on Bar Down Talking Hockey, and the World Juniors will be a couple games in. Luke Hughes will probably already have three or four goals. Connor Bedard will probably have 20 to 25 points by then, I'm sure. Not really that many, but we can all have high hopes, right? I hope everybody has a safe time through this upcoming storm that's pretty much hitting all of us i'll be shocked if someone's watching this that isn't going to be impacted by weather in some way shape or form in the next couple days but i hope everybody enjoys their christmas eve their christmas day the rest of hanukkah happy kwanzaa merry christmas and happy holidays to every single one of you watching this show from our family to yours merry christmas happy holidays as always thank you for listening We'll be